brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you shop at Amazon, I have a request. When you shop at Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. That sounds weird. How are you going to shop at Amazon if you don't go there? Well, don't go directly there. Start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. When you go there, there's a giant Amazon logo. Click on it. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage where you were heading anyways. But that small detour tells Amazon we sent you there. And when they get that message, they send us a commission on everything that you buy. So it's a great way to support us without having to do anything different other than when you shop at Amazon, start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all, add free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, P.W. Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Wade and his co-host to dive into the listener mailbag. We'll start with K-Day, who says, Greetings, I trust this message reaches you in good cheer. With AEW's arrival in the marketplace, they have expressed an interest in doing professional wrestling markedly different in a markedly different way than WWE. This not only includes presentation, but also their approach to talent. I'm a comic book fan as well as a wrestling fan, so I'm interested in both businesses. I mention this because I have an idea as to how AEW might approach how they deal with their roster. Image Comics is the third biggest comic book company behind DC and Marvel, both brands with decades of history like WWE. However, where DC and Marvel are proprietary companies that value IP, Micromanagement and status quo over creativity and individuality, parentheses, sound familiar? Image is all about empowering creators. No matter how much hit books like The Walking Dead sell, oh, no matter how much hit books, gotcha, like The Walking Dead sell, they don't take extra profit, just the cost of printing. Creators own their IP. Image takes risks on new books and helps them find success. As such, they engender loyalty from top talent and give them the opportunity to make more money than anywhere else. Perhaps AEW could do something similar. Give wrestlers ownership over their own names and characters. Let them keep all merchandise money. Help them get their own endorsements like UFC. Simply give them a big stage and orchestrate the feuds while acting as an editorial voice. No, they won't grab every single dollar like WWE does. But the loyalty they inspire long term, as well as the potential to really buy in on their own careers, might be a game changer. What do you think? So what you just described is what I thought that this was going to be. Very talent-centric, make them a big part of everything business-wise. But as we learn more, I, it, it, seems, it, it's, it seems increasingly like that's not what this is going to be. You know, the cons are, are full owners, to my understanding. Um, the other, the wrestlers are, aren't getting aren't getting uh, uh, equity in the company. The cons are going to want to take credit, and the upside, um, if it hits. Um, if you know, in terms of financially, because they put in the risk to begin with, and the talent are going to get very healthy salary rather than making up money in, in the ways that you describe. So I'm with you in theory, but I, I don't think that's what's going to end up being. So you know, could that work? Uh, do, do, do you think it's a mistake for the cons to take this approach? Is there something to be gained from that other approach, even if you're giving up some things up front in terms of the point, the, the points, so to speak? My, I, I would, I would be, I would be more of an advocate of of what, um, uh, of what uh, the emailer described. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Lance M says, in your opinion, do you feel UFC has already reached its pinnacle in respect to business and public acceptance? If 
it has not, what do you believe can take the company to new heights? The second portion of my question is not confined to building new stars. I'll say no on this one, and that's not based on anything coming in the near to medium future because it's hard for me to see UFC growing um, to its peak in popularity in, say, the next 10 years based on the way that their current um, uh, – television deal is is distribution deal has worked out um but i'm just a big believer in the sport i I think it's so exciting and now it's entrenched as a major property that at some point i think we're going to see another growth period where the the public comes to view it higher on the totem pole and it makes more money i just i think that you know over the long haul the the when it comes to sports the cream is going to tend to rise to the uh rise to the top rather um the you know the, the most exciting sports are going to grow in popularity and I, I just think mma is so exciting that um it's going to happen at some point as far as how that happens i mean the, the biggest potential avenue for that is is somewhere down the road getting the biggest fights on a more widely accessed outlet i mean that's pretty straightforward i mean the the pay-per-view model inherently limits your popularity and um if it does rise to a higher level i think it's going to be about finding a way to get the biggest fights to people who don't need to pay a large amount of money to see it. And uh, if they find a way to do that down the line, and that will mean almost assuredly short-term um, uh, short-term giving up money in, terms of, in, in an effort to make it up in the long term, um, if they find a way to do that, I think that's, that's your more likely period when uh, you're going to start to see the popularity go up. In the ebb and flow of, of having big stars and marketable stars, where is UFC right now? Um, if, if, like, are, do, are they at a low point, midpoint, on the rise? Where, where do you see them right now? That's tricky. Um, I mean, they've still, they've still got Connor. I mean, I assume Connor's going to be, uh, you know, going to be fighting again uh, sometime in the next year or so. And, I mean, he's the biggest drawing card that they've ever had. So, uh, given that, they can't be at that much of a uh, a low point. I mean, I think they have not as many drawing cards as they have at points in the past, but in in most things right now, I think that the uh, the people who are superstars do feel like uh, even bigger superstars than they have in the past. So, yeah. who, who's who's the how how many are in the top tier right now of 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 proven drawing power stars? Well, it depends on who you count as like part of the UFC because, like, I mean, George St. Pierre and, and Brock Lesnar are, are right now both announced as retired. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if either of them fought um, in the UFC um, in the next in the next year or two. So they're they're at a lofty level below Conor McGregor, but above pretty much everybody else. John Jones is clearly a drawing card. Um, he's a level below below that. And uh, from there, I mean, really, that's your you know that's your top. Um, I guess I guess the, 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 there's a question as to uh, as to where Habib stands because I mean Habib had that big fight with Connor he hasn't been a substantial draw um, outside of that but there there are good signs even before the Connor fight I mean the, the the UFC was very bullish on the you know on the the the, the numbers they got from um, places outside the U.S. that he's you know that he's that he's very big internationally it's an international sport. And that Connor fight took off to such a high level that with the right opponent, I could see Habib being a uh, a big drawing card as well. So you got you got to throw him in the mix too, I suppose. Do you think UFC and MMA as a sport's been hindered by concerns about concussions and violence and any outside factors that 
that weren't in their control, but more kind of part of a societal attitude towards the sport growing at the rate it might have in a different era under under different societal uh, uh, a different societal lens towards that kind of product. Well, of course, they've been hindered by that in the past. I mean, that was, a, you know, not concussion specifically, but I mean, the violence was part of why they lost their pay-per-view clearances and the sport nearly died. Um, so that's that's always going to be there. As far as like the growing awareness of, of, of concussions, I mean, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's very much a consideration. Um, the dog's with me. And I, I mean, I think that uh, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely something to monitor. And I I don't rule out the idea that that becomes a bigger issue down the line. Where I think um, MMA is protected is in the fact that the most popular sport in America is, by a wide margin, football. And football is a violent sport. And I very much do not subscribe to the notion that violence is going to do in football. I think people just really enjoy football. And even if it means that fewer people let their kids play football. I think the people that will still enjoy watching football and, you know, if it, you know, I don't think it'll be a big, uh, a big hindrance if there are fewer people playing at the, uh, at the youth level, as long as the sport remains exciting, uh, exciting at the, uh, at the pro level. So as long as football is very popular, I think it provides cover for MMA where MMA, um, won't be too hindered. And, and, I think a, a big a big s- sign of that is the number of television properties that have shown interest in boxing in the last few years. Because boxing, I think, has an even worse issue with that than does uh, than does MMA, and it has more of a stigma because of the uh, because of the past with boxing, and you know the number of people that have you know that have shown real you know real real brain injuries over the long haul because of their their time in boxing and espn signed a major deal for boxing DAZN put out a lot of money for boxing showtime is is is, is paying out for boxing fox uh made it a deal for boxing and so if anything the television properties are more invested in boxing than the uh than the fan support would suggest, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that given the concerns there might be over the the, the future of, of the sport due to concussions. So I, I, I don't think that's likely to uh, to do an MMA any anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, let's uh, set the table here. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast Mailbag Friday edition for May 10th, 2019. Todd Martin, a PW Torch VIP analyst who is the star of the Fix with Todd Martin, the aptly named Fix with Todd Martin podcast that drops every week for VIP members on Wednesday night. It runs two to three hours conservatively. Um, and uh, Todd also joins uh, Bruce Mitchell and me for the post-WWE pay-per-view roundtables that we do about once a month. That also is a VIP exclusive. Todd was with me yesterday for the Thursday flagship. We talked about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, the XFL TV deal news, the latest with New Japan, some UFC and uh, Bellator news, including a look at last weekend and a look ahead to this coming weekend with uh, commentary on on, uh, on pro wrestling kind of in the middle that, that stemmed from our uh, MMA discussion. So that's on uh, yesterday's show. Check it out if you missed it. Uh, no need to do it in order, but I definitely encourage you to do so, especially if you're enjoying today's mailbag edition of the show. Uh, you can also look this weekend for another interview classic from our archives. That'll be posted most likely on Sunday. And then on the red brand, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post show, uh, we already did our post shows on Raw and SmackDown this week. Travis Bryan from the PW Torch East Coast cast helped me analyze Raw with callers, emails, and a live on-site correspondent. Tuesday night, Jake Barnett from ProWrestling.net joined me, and we analyzed SmackDown with callers and emails and also an on-site correspondent. Coming up tomorrow on the Red Brand, the other feed, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post show feed, the red one, We'll present our, our weekend five years ago flashback edition of the uh, Raw post show where Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me and we analyzed what was happening on Raw five years ago this week. So look for that also this weekend. So uh, a lot of content so far, a lot still to come. And by the way, Jason Powell joins me next week on the Thursday flagship and then most likely a uh, mailbag edition also for a double header. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, go back to the mailbag with our next email. All right. Uh, up next, Dan B. Apologies if this has already been discussed before, but please, can you explain how contract signings in pro wrestling are supposed to work? I've never understood why certain matches apparently require a public contract signing ceremony, such as AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins from last week, whereas other matches are seemingly made spontaneously, often by the wrestlers themselves, and thus there was presumably no contract ever signed for those matches backstage or in public. Also, perhaps it's just me, but I generally find contract signing segments to be relatively predictable as you usually just end up with one wrestler's one wrestler throwing the other through a table afterwards, with the exception of the ingenious ceremony in 2001 when Triple H duped Steve Austin beforehand. Uh, Todd, yes, this is, this is uh, a, a tough question for, for a legal mind. How, does this, how, does this, how is this possible? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the contract signing, I mean, it's just, it's just a promotional gimmick. I mean, they, they don't need to have a uh, contract signing for a, uh, for a match. It's just a way to, uh, to put the people out in front of the people and, uh, and, uh, 
uh, without having them wrestle in a match beforehand. It's it's fine. I mean, as far as why logically they would uh, they would do it or not do it. I mean, I think the, the 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 explanation would be that it's a ceremonial thing. They're doing it as a promotional avenue to promote the fight. And if they don't do it um, publicly, then they just do it privately backstage, and uh, nobody makes a big deal out of it. Which you know makes sense. Now you know Bill Watts or Jim Cornette would have an explanation for this kayfabe that would totally make sense or make enough sense you'd be like okay I feel respected like well for TV wrestlers sign open contracts and those are signed in the afternoon before the show or sometimes they're signed for several weeks under contract of open contracts because we know we're running a TV show but for big title fights with the biggest names they have more power they have more say so over which big matches that they agree to fight the terms are usually negotiated individually not in, in a collective or by default, and they have more say-so over their opponents in the stipulation, so we have to be more careful about it. And then, of course, it does become ceremonial because we're in the business of hyping fights. And when the two people who are going to fight get in the ring and face off um, and sign the contract in front of the fans, it certainly makes the fight seem bigger. So there's certainly a promotional aspect. But the talent uh, have have more more say, the top talent for big pay-per-view fights have more say-so and um, understandably aren't willing to sign those open contracts for, for flat fees. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care as much about like those sorts of explanations if to me it makes enough sense if what you if 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 there is an explanation that can be given that if if you gave it people would just go like oh yeah that makes perfect sense then i don't worry too much about explaining it to me like it, where it should come up is where if if the explanation you give some people might be like uh, I don't know. Then I think you want to. I think you want to force it to make it come across more credible. That, that's that's basically my my philosophy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I think they should, by default, look for opportunities to be able to give a backstory and make things make sense, so that it's it's more forgivable when they book themselves into a situation or have a, just a way of going about presenting things that is defies explanation. Um, you've built them some credibility and some goodwill along the way by not just being cavalier and, and disregarding any attempt to make things make sense. If you're a fan of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, have you checked out the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup yet? It's new for 2019, formerly known as the PW Torch Livecast. The PW Torch Daily Cast features a new show every single day. Monday through Friday, every afternoon, a new show drops. Mondays, it's MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fan. Tuesdays, it's Elite Major Impact with Mike and Andrew covering All Elite Wrestling. Impact Wrestling, and Major League Wrestling. And then Wednesdays, it's Harley and Emily with Talking Honor covering, you guessed it, Ring of Honor. Thursdays, it's PWT Talks NXT with Kelly, Justin, Tom, and Harley. And Fridays, it's the best of the PW Torch Livecast where I pick a show from our archives going back about 10 years now covering a major event, a major story, or featuring one of my favorite interviews from over the years. And then on weekends, we go live with the Deep Dive with Rich Fan on Saturday nights, where Rich Fan goes in-depth on a single topic with a special guest. And then on Sunday nights, longtime Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter columnist Greg Parks is live with Wrestling Night in America. On non-pay-per-view nights, he's live at 8 Eastern taking your calls, talking about recent major events in professional wrestling from all promotions, WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and more, or previewing upcoming big events, including the latest developments in announced matches. So check that out. That is the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. All you have to do is search PW Torch 
on your podcast app or go to our homepage, pwtorchdailycast.com. On that page, you'll find links to the upcoming live weekend shows and links to the most recent posts that you can download or stream right off our website. You can find out more about the lineup too at pwtorchdailycast.com or search PW Torch on your podcast app. They are free and waiting for you right now. That's pwtorchdailycast.com or search PW Torch. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Up next, Craig in Toledo. From Toledo. I don't know if he's in Toledo, but Craig from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, an, an important distinction. <laughs> no, no, not really. Growing up, I never. Oh, come on now! It's <laughs> it, Wade. <laughs> Growing up, I never put much thought into how good matches were compared to other matches, or how much enjoyment I took from a single match. I can't even say that I evaluated a single show based on a thumbs up, thumbs down model when I was in my teens. It was only when I started watching again in my thirties I started hearing about these granular evaluations of wrestling. I have a couple large scale questions about the evaluation of the product, past and present. If it weren't part of your job, do you think you would assign grades to matches or shows? Todd. I don't grade matches. <laughs> I knew it. So um, I don't think that would make a big difference one way or another. Go ahead, Wade. What about you? Um, n- not formally, but I wouldn't be able to help but have an opinion. Um, I mean, I re- oh, I'll, I'll compare it to going to North Star games as a kid when the Minnesota North Stars were, were here. I, I love I love I love the NHL. Any chance I could go to the box office and scrounge the money together to buy the 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 last second tickets, you know, after the puck dropped, what's available, and you get a fifty percent discount, I'd be like, oh, this is great, and I'd get in the building, and I was so excited, and then that eventually, <laughs> and the tickets were like eight dollars to begin with. So I know, you know seriously, <laughs> why? Well, but but that it made all the difference in the world at that point to me, and and it, but I was very excited, and then as I started going to you know, more games. And not that I even went, to, I don't even know if I went to 20, but I, maybe, but probably about 20 games in, in my teens. But there were some games that were boring. And I made note of that. I was like, oh man, what, did they not put forth an effort? Or is this just kind of how hockey works? Sometimes it's boring. Um, and I started thinking about that as I aged. It was my job. I was a consumer. And that money meant something to me. That time meant something to me. And I had high expectations for what an NHL game should be because I built it up in my mind. And there were some exhilarating, exciting opportunities. There's still frequencies I can't hit in terms of talking or singing because of how much I screamed at a hockey game one time and and ended up paying a, a vocal cord price for it. I got so enthusiastic. Um, That's, that, that, by the way, is uh, 
is the way I, I try to make myself feel better when there's a particularly obnoxious fan near me at a, a, a game or event. Is that they'll, they'll pay afterwards, those bastards. I was just really into the sound meter during the power plays when they'd play Welcome to the Jungle. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, because I, I, they still do those at, like, yeah. at, at Caps games here. And like I look at them, and I, I, I'm amused by how much i was suckered into those when i was a kid <laughs> yeah. it was absolutely like oh here it comes we gotta cheer we gotta cheer you know and you're trying to get that thing up there and now you look at it and you're like what the hell was i thinking yeah it was, it was one of those uh moments uh in fatherhood when my nine-year-old looked at me and said i don't think that meter reacts actually reacts to the crowd noise and that was just a couple months ago at a it was either a wild game or a, a Timberwolves game. He's smarter than the both of us. <laughs> uh, so, so my point, my kind of going circle, full circle back. My point is, is I, I think if you're a consumer and and you're spending money and you really enjoy something. Sorry, and- as, as an aside though, I think some of them are a work and some of them are a shoot. Actually, oh, really? I'm, not, I'm okay. not sure which are which, but because like sometimes they'll give like the specific meters and you can sort of like it seems to fit with what it's going on. I think I think in some of them they actually are a are, are a shoot, but some of them are definitely work because I've, I've seen those at, at some things where it's you know like you can just see it doing like its pattern and even if people aren't reacting very much yes I, I hope there's just someone with a dial and as the crowd gets louder they turn the meter up to reflect that and it's just very manual oh yeah that's yeah that that's could be an option too around. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so so i think inevitably i would have, if it weren't a job i would watch wrestling and in my mind i'd be like well that was really exhilarating and enjoyable and that was not I, I I sort of wish I had read a book on behind. You know, like I mean, you're just going to have those those thoughts, or I wish I'd watched something else. That is just another way of grading it. I mean, this idea of oh, you know, star star ratings are just there. It's not. It's it's art, not science. It's it's kind of your gut reaction to did this succeed at at serving the audience it intended to serve in an exciting way. So I think people would do it, but in a less official, formal way, if it weren't part of their job. Although I'm sure there's people who sit around and on take sheets of paper and write down their star rating with their friends. And then when it's over, they compare it and open up the sheets. Of paper. I mean, there's people do it casually because it's kind of fun to compare how you feel about things. You can see the, the social media debate about game of Thrones right now. And you know, is that a good episode or not? That's just something people naturally do, even if it's not their job. Number two, by the way, oh, yeah. by the way, like just rewinding a bit again, you found some hockey games boring. Cause I've never been to a hockey game. and thought that was a boring game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was I. I distinctly. You're a, re- you're a bad hockey fan. <laughs> I distinctly. Hockey is re- a difficult game for that. Sorry, go ahead, Wade. I, I I distinctly remember it was the North Stars' last season, and it was a Blackhawks game, and and I, th- I think it was back when there were ties, and I was I was, and, and this had happened a couple other times where I was like, ah, oh, this isn't as fun as the last game I was at, but I remember just thinking. Okay, remember this game when you really, really, really start missing your favorite sports team because the North Stars were. I was more into them probably than the Vikings at that point. Um, and it's like, remember this game? It'll make you feel better about them not being around because it, it just was listless. There, there actually, there was in. It's online if you look it up on on YouTube. There's a commercial that the North Stars did circa eighty eight, eighty seven, eighty six, somewhere in that range. Where it was a commercial of the North Stars coming out, and they just showed their legs and their skates coming out of the ice from the bench, and they were stumbling and falling and tripping over each other. And the, and the screen said, this was last year, but we've shaped up, and this year we're going to win. And it was like, then they came out and skated and shot, and, and you know, it was just like, it was, they were acknowledging that they were just 
a bad you know a bad team that wasn't trying very hard and, and not very good the year before. So well, that's even, a separate issue though. Like I, I mean, I've seen plenty of games where like the team my team didn't play very well in hockey, but because of the speed of the game and the nature of the game, I I've never been a hockey game. I thought that was boring. The, the, you know, like I I've, <clears throat> I thought, wow, that you know, I wish the Caps had played better. But that's that's sort of a different issue. Well, Jacques Lemaire, the Minnesota Wild's first coach for many years, was accused of basically making the NHL boring because of the traps and the defense that he employed. The, the Wild had a better record than they deserved, but every game was one to nothing. Yeah, if I, I guess I, I guess that's sort of too. Like if I because I when I came up, that was during a defensive minded era of, of hockey, and the, the the Capitals were a defensive minded team in the defensive minded era of hockey. So <laughs> um, yeah, the, I guess if you start off with a really exciting brand of hockey, then a uh, less exciting brand will uh, will not compare favorably. When did Brett Hull retire? Brett Hull. I mean, that would have been like I think like ninety seven, ninety eight, or yeah. then. So I because th- I think it was he was a, it was as a commentator and not as a player and he I remember reading a quote from him just saying like like Jock Lemaire is ruining the game <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's making his part okay so item number two do you feel that your op- oh wow I was way off he retired in two thousand five oh well then he it was probably as a player then that he said that. I was I wasn't sure if it was as a commentator or as a player that I read the quote so I think it was after the Minnesota Wild beat them <laughs> and he was really upset about the the the, the way it went because he 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 he, wa- he it stifled his game the way Jacques Lemaire coached uh, because the Wild weren't around till the year 2000. So, um, and he was a coach for his first few years. So, yeah, it must have been Brett Hull as a player complaining about how he just couldn't play his game. So, there you go. You're still in shock. <laughs> I didn't have anything to say. Uh, yeah, well, that's fine. That happens sometimes. <laughs> what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, I, uh, uh, take three at item number two here. Do you, f- or maybe take four? Do you feel that your obligation to evaluate shows or matches may hinder your appreciation of what you're watching, or does it in fact add to your enjoyment? Um, I mean, that's hard to say. I-, I wonder that sometimes too. Like, you know, maybe I'd be more forgiving, or maybe I just wouldn't watch. But my guess is it would be about the same either way. Because, like, I continue to follow the Wizards and Redskins despite their struggles, and the people who I think are hindering the effort to win i don't like but i'm also hopeful about things improving when things are bad and as far as when things are good i've always had an analytical analytical approach to things so like i'm not one of these people that like sort of gets deliriously excited about a movie or television show coming out i'm just sort of you know like cool looking forward to that and if i enjoy it i'm like yeah i enjoyed that you know but i'm not you know like i don't really have like the you know like leaping up and down rah rah thing in me um when (laughs) it comes to uh when it comes to most forms of entertainment. So that, that carries through whether I'm, you know, evaluating it on, on a podcast or not. 
Uh, number three, Bruce Mitchell ripped the Firefly Funhouse on first blush, but has since come to enjoy it after hearing its acclaim. You've both been covering the business for so long. Has someone else's evaluation of a mattress show ever caused you to do a double take on anything? And if so, do you have any examples of something specific with which you did an about face? First, I haven't been covering the business that long. I mean, Wade certainly has. He was covering the business when I was six, but I am new blood, like <laughs> Sean o- O'Hare or above average Mike Sanders. Um, you know, come to think of it, that analogy probably doesn't help my point. No, I, um, <laughs> I just resent bringing that, that era up. I just <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, I mean, I think one of my, my strengths as an analyst is I'm unfazed by other people's opinions. Um, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not afraid to say I like something that other people are criti- other people are criticizing, and I'm not afraid to say I dislike something that other people are praising. Um, sometimes, if something gets a ton of praise that I didn't like as much, I'll give it a second look. Um, but I mean, that's about it. And if I can tell a ton of people really enjoy something and I don't like it as much, I won't belabor the point because I think people tend not to like like long diatribes about why they're wrong to like something, myself included in that. So like. You know, the saying why something isn't very good, um, if I really think it isn't good altogether, like that, that's something I think worth saying. But if like something is other people think something is just great and I think it's well good, but not that great, that's that tends to be something that I'll, you know, I'll, I'll perhaps, you know, not voice as, you know, as, as, as strongly just because I, I, I don't think that's particularly, I don't think that's a particularly good uh um lane in in any form of analysis all right uh what do you think wade you you answer that that one go ahead um i can't think of specific examples but i'm sure there's been times where i mean i'm i I, well you were talking i was trying to think like is there something specific i can think of where i like went back and rewatched because i felt like there was something just in recent months where i did that um and went back and rewatched something through a different lens. But I don't think it happens too often. I mean, I kind of, I kind of, if I pay attention fully, and I think I have a pretty good idea of a if I enjoyed it, and and b if I if I think it's any good, um, you know, like good for business. There's things I don't love that I also think ha- analyze as, but was that good for business? Was it intended for a different audience, and did it serve that well? So I kind of think on those two levels, because I, I, you know, I say a lot of times, I've said this to callers, like they go, I don't like that. I'm like, well, it's not all about you. You know, you, you have to think if your money was in the stock of that company, how would you feel about it differently than whether that's for you or not? So it's so in that sense, it's more analytical than just sort of like my gut reaction. But my gut reaction generally is just going to be what it is when I watch it. I don't think it's almost it's almost not fair to go back and then say, well, someone else enjoyed it for this reason. And then to pretend that you enjoyed it uh, the first time around, but what, rewatching it and appreciating how, why someone else might have enjoyed it that you didn't notice the first time or appreciate, I think has value. That makes sense. Yeah. Four, since everyone does quarter stars for everything in a five-star system, can we just go to a damn 20-star system? Or would everyone then be tempted to rate things 14 and two-quarter stars? Me and fractions are cool. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I think that saying it's a two-star, two-star plus match means something compared to saying a three-star match. Like, to me, I think when you have a five-star system, you're basically kind of grouping matches into five kind of general groups, and you're giving a little extra nudge to it saying, ah, you know, like two and three quarters to me isn't a three-star match. But it's you're letting people know it's, it's a two-star match, but it's close. It's average or a little above average, and it, it, it held its own for the time that it had. 
but I don't really think you should go out of your way to necessarily watch it if you missed it, and it might have had its role on the card, but it wasn't meant to stand out. To me, when you get to three, three and a quarter, that's a different category. But if you are on a 20-point system, I, 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 it's, too, it's too abstract. Like To me, I like, I like having five stars with a little nudge up or down from, from each of the base points. Well, I think he'd be saying the same thing, just that it would be like at a different point, right? So, like the if you had a, a twenty point system, then three and a quarter would be, uh, what would that be? That would be fourteen. Um, and if you had a two and a quarter, a two and a quarter, then it would be eleven. Um, you know, I get that, but I don't. I, 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 but I don't think that resonates with people's brains as much when you start having to think, okay. 9 through 13 means something, and 14 through 17 means something, and 18 through 20 means something. Like that, It's just easier to just do 1 through 5 and then kind of add a little extra oomph to some of those numbers. T- to me, that just that's way easier than trying to decipher, uh, oh, it's, it's an, it, I would have it in the 11 to 13 range. Like To me, I, saying it's in the 3-star range, give or take a quarter star, means something more concrete to the way our brains work than eh, somewhere between 11 and 13. I think it very well might become second nature in a hurry, though. I disagree. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't wasn't expecting that to be a particularly scalding take, but I'm sorry. I I hit a nerve there. No, no nerve. I just just are going to have to agree to disagree on this one. You're not dead to me or anything. I'm just... (laughs) We're going to have to agree to disagree. Uh, he says, thank you guys for everything sincerely. And Wade, thank you especially for shouting out my Twitter joke last week on The Fix and assuring me that you have not yet <laughs> muted me. <laughs> yes, there are so many people muted who are are probably now trying to find out if they're muted. Um, anyway. Which is the which is the lovely thing about uh, which is the lovely thing about mutes, which is why you know I've muted plenty of people and I've I've blocked two people in total. <laughs> <laughs> and what's also fun is when you haven't. Muted. And one of those is no longer active on Twitter. Uh, no, oh, is wow. a deactivated account. So, so what I like is when you make someone think they're muted and they're not, and they're yelling at you. Can you? Why aren't you responding? Why aren't you responding? And you don't respond. So then they assume that you're muted, and then they start saying things about you that they think you don't see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now everyone's on guard. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right, up next, Alan says, I've been a VIP member for a few months now, and the fix has easily become the audio highlight of my week. I'm constantly impressed by your deep analysis and have come to the conclusion that the two of you are by far the most qualified people to help me find an answer to something that has been bugging me for a very long time. As someone who writes reviews of most weekly TV shows, feel free to edit out this 
pl- cheap plug if you desire. Okay, edit out. And wants my reviews to appear professional. <laughs> oh, wait. As, as professional as NSF. <laughs> <laughs> w stuff can be anyway. I, he put it. He put it in his way, website, and Wade just didn't read it after he offered that up. That's tremendous. I faced the challenge of not only sitting through WWE shows, but also figuring out how to. What, co- a, what a heel move! <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> but also figuring out how to correctly punctuate their various terms. While their website is relatively consistent with WWE Universe or Superstar or Women's Evolution with the TMs in small print at the end being capitalized. One thing that neither WWE's website or anyone else in wrestling on the wrestling internet seems to be consistent with is a proper capitalization of gimmick matches. Will the wrestlers at the upcoming Money in the Bank, all caps, pay-per-view, be competing in a ladder match? A ladder match or a ladder match? Now, this doesn't translate unless I explain. Capital L, capital M, capital L, small m, or small l, small m. I've been capitalizing both words as it feels like a proper noun to be, but I can see an argument to not capitalize it at all. Singles matches never capitalize or to view ladder as a proper adjective to cap and capitalize it, but not the word match as in Olympic, capital O, hockey, small h. Also would hold similar to names of wrestling moves. Please know that I consider the two of you to be the foremost authority on this topic and will adopt whatever style you recommend. Also, please keep hounding WB and all of the promotions. On their attention to detail and lack of explanations for things, you are absolutely not alone in your conviction that such things make a difference in fan engagement by making the show more accessible and thus easier to invest in because we understand the consequences of the possible outcomes. Alan from the WrestlingRevolution.com. <laughs> I, I am I am in general a uh, and I, when it comes to close calls, I am anti-capitalization. So I will say that in general, but I would not. I would not, in fact, capitalize uh, uh, gimmick gimmicks of uh, gimmick names. Yeah, unless it's the name of a proper place, like a Singapore cane match. Yeah, yeah. There, I, you you want to if it's if there's only one. Like if you say, um, I when I grow older, I want to build a highway. That's small h. If you go, I want to take a road trip on Highway sixty one. Capital H. There's only one, and H would be capitalized in that because it's part of something that there's one of, and it's specific. Ladder match is a generic term, so you don't capitalize it. Money in the bank is a formal term, so you do. Um, Superstar, if you're talking about a wrestler, should be capitalized because you're, by capitalizing and saying it's more of kind of a branding thing than adhering to the definition according to the dictionary of what makes a superstar. Because when you look at the roster of people who are called superstars, there's probably 20% at most, who even to wrestling fans would qualify by the conventional definition of it. Or or just call them all wrestlers. Well, that would be nice. And then when you called Seth Rollins a superstar, people go, wow, he reached that designation, as opposed to just Killian Dane being one. And, no, no and he Killian. hasn't reached that designation. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But you know what? If they didn't assign it to Killian Dane, I'm just going to pick on him, um, then if they did prematurely or stretch themselves in giving it to Seth, it would mean something. Like, you could actually maybe present him above his pay grade, so to speak, and it might have a positive effect. But when you call everybody that, it's like, you know, person who calls everybody their best friend. It's like, well, now I don't feel so special. (laughs) That's aimed at someone. No, it's not. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, but basically, if you want to know what should be capitalized and what shouldn't, read my my reports online, because I think a lot about that stuff. (laughs) So, there. (laughs) Or my editing of house show reports, because I I edit those pretty meticulously. So, All right, cool. So up next, Zach in Texas. At this point, Becky Lynch is the most over person in WWE. I'd say, do you agree with that at this point? Who else would be in contention? 
don't know. This week, Kofi Kingston. I think I'd I'd probably say Becky, but yeah, yeah. It definitely definitely there there are crowds that seem to uh, seem to prefer Kofi, and I, I'm not I, I'm not close to the idea that that um, Kofi's kind of past Becky. But I mean, even if you argue that Kofi has been a little bit more than Becky since. Um, you know, a few months ago. Like, I think if you look at sort of like the last six months or so on unbalance, I think you'd you'd put yeah. um, Becky above him. Yeah, and that that nuance is what makes it a particularly interesting, I think, conversation to have. All right. Uh, at this point, Becky Lynch is the most over person in WWE. On any given Monday or Tuesday, she's either the most popular person or a very close second. It's not just her popularity, though. Her segments are probably the most anticipated each week and typically the strongest. As the champ champ, she's as much of a centerpiece as WWE's corrosive brand. Now I'm just thinking about capitalizations in these emails. It's right. I mean, uh, centerpiece is WWE's corrosive brand-centered philosophy allows. Even though it's in a different way than Hogan, Hart, or Austin, am I wrong to assert at this point Becky is carrying WWE on her back? When people look back on this time in 10 or 15 years, will Becky get blamed for the ratings sagging during her reign the way Kevin Nash has been unfairly blamed for WWE's god-awful 1995? Wait, unfairly blamed? That's what he's saying. I'm just reading the email, Todd. Um, yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, so, I mean, as, as mentioned, I think I think Becky is their, their biggest star. But, I mean, she's not, she's not presented in a way where I think she would be able to carry WWE on her back. Um, nor is she carrying it to be on her back. And given the long-term ratings trend, I don't think she gets blamed for that. I mean, Cena and Reigns were the focal point on the show much longer, if you want to point fingers at talent. And I don't think either of them were the problem either. I mean, I think the way in, all in, the talent is booked is a problem. In we? fact, I mean, the ratings took the sharper the, a sharp decline in the fall relative to previous patterns in recent years, because 2017 and 2018 were relatively steady. Um, or 2018 was relatively steady compared to 2017. Um, it was when they tried to turn Becky heel and fans were like, oh, God, here we go again. That, you know, that was part of they were featuring Becky more, but it was in a way that was kind of frustrating. And you can make the case had they just not messed around. Um, she, you know, it, it's like the case you make. Don't rehab current talent. Um, you have to just start fresh with with new ones, even if they're less talented. With Becky, they had something and then made it more complicated than it had to be. And so it, you could say Becky might have been a breakout star who could have made a difference, but if not for the booking, when they tried to force her into a heel role in order to placate people who were higher paid and and they thought more highly of on the roster. Yeah, I, I disagree with that because I, I think that the them trying to get her into the heel role was was key to why that she she took off as much as she did. I think I think that the big issue with 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 Becky and the booking, and this is something now that you're people. Dead to me. <laughs> that that people pointed out as it was happening, but I think oh, I'll only speak for myself. I didn't want to feel like I was taking too much of a victory lap afterwards because people like argued that like no, the triple threat was the way to go. I, I think that triple threat really, really, really damaged the potential of what Becky Lynch could have been because if you saw those crowds when they were teasing Becky and Ronda in February or whenever it was, let alone back in you know November and those other periods, the idea of you've got this star. She's a superstar from another place. She's undefeated. She's beating all these other people. And we've got this big hero who everybody loves. And she's going to come and she's going to get into a fight with this person that we hate who's, you know, who's, who's a big star and is, is beating everybody. That's just classic pro wrestling. 
and it's very easy to understand. It's a sort of thing that if they, you know, advertised it that way, that and and people heard, oh, you know, they've got this sort of cool story with Ronda Rousey, you remember from UFC against this new star Becky Lynch. I got to check that out. And instead, they did this convoluted thing with, you know, Charlotte and Becky and Ronda. That was difficult to explain why they all had issues with each other. That was built around Ronda saying the whole thing was fake, like all of this this nonsense. And what they got was this, you know, this convoluted thing that nobody was into nearly as much as if they'd just done that straight match. And I still think if they'd just done that straight match and they'd made it about Becky Lynch coming to kick Ronda Rousey's ass, that that had the potential to really elevate some interest in the product. They didn't do that. And I think that was a, a massive booking mistake. That it, we talk a lot about like the, sort of these systemic things. And I think the vast majority of the problems are systemic things. But as far as individual individual booking decisions, you know, to do this or to do that. I think that's one of their worst booking decisions in a great many years was that that decision to not give the fans and, and the, not give the fans who are watching what they wanted to see and not give the fans who aren't watching the offering of something that's a much more straightforward, easy to digest, attractive option in pro wrestling, which is big heel, big baby face. They're going to fight. You, you made it, you, Explain what they lost by not having Becky run a one-on-one in that scenario, which I agree was the best scenario. Did they, on the other side of the ledger, gain? did Charlotte gain anything from being in that match that at least slightly mitigates what they lost by not taking the, the one-on-one approach that you made the case for? Does Charlotte seem any hotter to you? Uh, I'm probably, I, I was such an advocate for the one-on-one match. But I always thought in my in my mind, or I always knew that the argument was, well, it's a big match. We don't know if we're going to have Ronda again. And Charlotte being in that match and having been part of the first ever main event at WrestleMania is something that she'll carry around with herself that will pay dividends for years to come. And that is is the argument for her being in that match. I am more in the category, uh, strong, actually strongly more in the category of thinking – when you have something as special as Becky Ron, it could have been one-on-one. Do it. Um, but I am not in denial – or I shouldn't say it, not denial. I am, <laughs> I am not willing to deny the argument entirely. Todd, you are in denial. <laughs> I, am, I am willing to entertain the notion that while it is a shame that they gave up, as you artfully and articulately explained, a, a potential breakup moment for Becky that would have meant much more, that on the other side of the ledger, there wasn't something for Charlotte gained – in the kind of the aggregate long run of her being a, an, an anchor of the women's division of WWE, that she was in that match and can lay, can reference that, and that is part of history. Well, I'll be much more dismissive yes. of that point of view. I think that she is. I think she is no more over than she was before, and the only effect it had was making Charlotte and Becky feel more stale, so that they can't do it now because it feels like a tired issue. Yep, fair enough. I think that's a legit, that's a very legit and succinct point of view on this too. Although I, I, I sorry, I, I, I very much do identify with the concern about like, well, I don't want to feel like I'm just you know like backing up like the opinion I had before. So I've got to overcompensate by being more charitable to the point of view that I disagreed with in the first place. Cause I, I think that stuff all the time, but you know, I've, in this, in this case, I've, I've beaten down that reservation <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, you know, crawled into the corner and, and isn't bothering me. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Uh, up next, uh, Joe says, hey, wait, and Todd, thanks as always. New Japan spent a month or so running simple promo packages for uh, El Fantasmo. Put him over strong in his debut. And in one night, without ever seeing it before, I'm ready to hitch my wagon to him as a future of the Bullet Club. It's everything WWE should have done with Ricochet and whiffed on. It seems like such an easy formula. Why do you think WWE has such a hard time making stars? Uh, so that looks like question one that's separate. I mean, it's it's simple. One company brings in new talent, tries to establish them at the beginning, and then sends them on a character journey. The other brings in new talent, has them lose to undercard wrestlers immediately, and then sends them on circles. Um, so that's you know, I, I feel like one uh, one you know scenario is is more advantageous to creating stars than uh, than the other. Even if, as I noted before, like I, I think I, I haven't been a big fan of the uh, the New Japan direction this uh, this year on balance. Although I do think it's a coincidence that in the videos for El Fantasmo, they do say nobody ever thought he'd make money in this business. <laughs> All right. Do you think the New Japan format of building a card around mostly multi-man tag team matches? <laughs> nobody ever thought he'd make money in the business, and now he's here. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's a, good, uh, <sighs> a good thing to put in a, in a package in particular. I, I just During Ricochet's <laughs> match, I was like, you're really bringing this up now? I, I, uh, all right. Do you think that it's even, it's even it's even more comically ridiculous though, in, in like a vignette, like than than just announcers making you know an offhanded remark to it. Like yeah. if that's part of you know, if that was part of like the Alistair Black package, it's just you know like and now the man they said never would get over, and then he starts talking. Yes. Um, so then he says, "Do you think the New Japan format of building a card around mostly multi-man tag matches with two or three major singles matches on top would work in a WWE setting? It seems to have a lot of advantages in getting stars on the show without running through every combination of singles matches possible due to the need to fill TV time and to make singles matches on top feel more special." No. Um, for, for one thing, I think New Japan should have more singles matches outside of their tournaments um, to begin with. But for another, those, those tag lineups are built around selling house shows at small and medium-sized buildings. Um, you know, you put a few key matches on top, and then you have a bunch of tag team matches. And I, I think the formula is kind of dull, honestly. But if you're a live show, you know, you watch lesser stuff. You know, you get a little. You know, you get your. You know, you get a little bit of taste of what's to come, and then you know the key stuff comes later on. I think that's. I think that's fine for like a live experience, which is what the idea is there. But um, I don't think that if you put those shows on television in full in Japan, that they do well in terms of viewers. And I don't think in 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 the U.S. if you put on those sorts of things, that they do well in viewers because they seem too obviously to me to be about um just you know sort of filling time and not really you know the obvious finish coming at the end i think you're i think you're better off building segments if you're doing things where um where you're trying to uh not have to 
give away a bunch of matches and not have to, you know, give away a bunch of finishes to instead, as I've, you know, as I've argued before, have a much bigger roster and have people rotating in who lose, who you haven't seen that often. So it's like, oh, I'm getting to see this person. They lose to the bigger star the majority of the time. The bigger star gives a promo and it's sort of like an advertisement for that specific person. And I think that sort of thing is more engaging if you're into that person than one of these tag matches where you have a bunch of people at the same time, but you kind of know nothing really is going to come of it one way or another. Um, with that, all that said, do I do I think that WWE would benefit from protecting singles matches more and from having matches where the bigger stars consistently beat the lesser stars? Um, absolutely, you know. But I think, given the television demands, I think WWE has to be more creative than what New Japan's doing with those tag matches. I think it's just, I think it's just a different, um, a different environment, and what New Japan's doing doesn't translate in, in that regard. All right. And then he says, my biggest concern for AEW is that while the promotion looks red hot now for now running shows in 10,000 seat arenas that they've had months to promote, if they go to weekly live TV, they'll have to be able to draw more than 1,500 fans and still look major league. I think the G1 in Dallas barely selling any tickets could be an indicator that once hardcore stopped flying to every show, local demand may be softer than people think. How do you think AEW will draw on the road? And do they need to consistently draw thousands per show to appear legitimate to new fans? Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky question, and I think that's an important question, and, and one that's been undercovered and discussed. And yeah. I I don't have a good answer, um, because I, I don't think that they're going to be able to draw well every week, certainly not at first. And running in small buildings, I think, will affect the perception that they're a major league product. So that's something I hope that they're planning very carefully. I mean, some of the, some of the key variables to me are... Um, whether you tape weekly or bi-weekly, I think that makes a difference. You know, taping every other week would put less strain in terms of filling buildings. Um, but obviously, you know, then you would have non-live shows, which is, you know, a hook to people these days. Um, you also... And a four-hour to- live show experience. Well, depending on how long that the, uh, the, the television show um, yeah. is. And, uh, you know, you also can, you know, you can... Uh, you don't have to run the, the full two hours for the, for the second show. Yeah. Uh, I think you also have to consider cities carefully. You know, having a few cities that you go to more often, I think, is a good idea. Um, but you need to figure out, you know, how that what that makeup is, what those cities are, what the balance is. You know, like just to give like an example, maybe your your idea is we're going to run Philadelphia um, in smaller buildings let's say five times a year, you're going to run New York in smaller buildings five times a year. You're going to run Los Angeles in smaller buildings five times a year. Uh, you know, then you, then you, you know, at that point you've got 15 shows and then you say you give, you know, three to your local Jacksonville and you sort of, at that point sort of come up with a sort of a game plan of what sort of your cities you're going to have. And then, um, I think you also, uh, you also want to consider the building size in that. You know, I think I think you want to occasionally run a bigger building for a bigger television show, uh, but you know, obviously, you can't run ten thousand seat buildings every week at first. So you have to figure that out too. You know, which you know which buildings are worth running. How how are you going to build that up? Impact showed that. <clears throat> They were successful in, in drawing bigger buildings in uh, in the UK, so maybe that's you know that's a place to target is you know is you, you could draw bigger attendance for uh you know for London and run a bigger show there. I think you know Chicago is a hot crowd for 
um, for for wrestling. Toronto is a hot crowd for you know is a hot uh, uh, city for wrestling. So you know sort of consider where you might be able to draw a little bit uh, a little bit bigger of a crowd for the occasional major show. And then you also need to figure out how to shoot the smaller buildings to look as major league as possible. And I think with that you, you know you want to think think outside the box. You know how you can shoot things to make it look differently than um, how other wrestling shows have been produced and as far as like good news on that front i mean remember that raw took off as a concept running the manhattan center and the mid hudson civic center you know so having smaller buildings isn't a killer if you can convince people that you're important in other ways and then grow over time and uh, and that's what you know that's what WWE did with raw and that's the that's the biggest wrestling show there is so um you know there's there's hope that you can uh, you can do the, the same thing even if there there are growing pains early on lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How do you feel about... Uh Center stage, the Global Dome, uh, uh, NXT take go, uh, 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 full sail. Um, uh, the the Impact Zone in Orlando having a studio home base that just is well lit, looks good. You, you, you especially the they did I think a masterful job with with uh, full sail, kind of creating an illusion of something larger than it is. And I even think Impact, with the help of the um, uh, MGM and and uh, assets. Uh, has done a good job creating that illusion with strategic camera angles where you just, once you get into the show, you're not really thinking about it. And then when Impact went on the road and they had bad lighting and empty seats, cavernous buildings, echoey sound, it actually looked more minor league in bigger buildings with technically more people in attendance. Is is that an option or not for AEW to sort of have a home base where they're not actually charging much, if anything, but they can get you know 1,800 people in and film them strategically with great lighting? I'd like to avoid that if at all possible. Yeah. I mean, you may you may have to do that, and there's a reason those other people did that. Um, but I mean, number one, I think it, it inherently comes across more minor league if you keep running the same building every time. And I, I don't. While other people were able to make that look okay, I think I think it largely worked against them. And then I just I'm not a I'm not a fan of what happens when you get the. Um, the, the, in front of the crowd, the same crowd every every week, and you start relying on that. I think they st- it's it starts becoming not necessarily the best reflection of like the way most fans feel. You know, things can get tired, um, or conversely, they can you know they can give you sort of a skewed perspective of on on certain talents uh, based on the way they react. I just I. I 
there's there's a thing that Vince McMahon talks about that that that, that that's bullshit in terms of the way that he he actually does things, but the idea of like the audience being their focus group, and if you you know if you have a focus group, I think you want like rotating focus groups. You don't want to have like the same you know the same five people every time yeah. um, if you're you, if you're trying to read that sort of thing. And and for those reasons, yeah, I I would not want to be doing the show at the same place for 40 weeks a year, if at all possible. I mean, I think, I think you can justify, you know, more. And that, and that's, that's sort of what I was laying out when I was talking about different things. Like if you want to, you know, if you want to argue like, okay, rather than like five shows from like three or four key markets, maybe 10 shows from three or four key markets. But, um, I, I, I definitely prefer the idea of, um, of rotation to hitting the same place, you know, on, on a, on a, uh, real regular basis. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jermaine from Chicago. Hello, Todd and Wade. I happen to believe that WWE needs a star who grows a business and they don't have one that brings people who normally don't tune in each week to stop what they're doing and watch them. No matter how much Wade pushes this narrative with Roman, <laughs> <laughs> He isn't that guy. <laughs> the, 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 the Jermaine Roman drinking game is is one that's uh, that's sure to kill people off um, if anyone does it. So I tried to think what guys who grew the business and made it hot had in common. The Rock, Steve Austin, even Hulk Hogan had tons of charisma. WWE has really good in-ring wrestlers. Todd, you and I really enjoy the in-ring wrestling where Wade is more of a character storyline guy. But I'm thinking personality and charisma is what draws people in ratings. So, would it be a good idea for WWE to look for guys with that personality and mic work and then teach them how to wrestle? Because the current way of finding these guys who can work in the ring is not drawing ratings. I just think, for the business, WWE must find another Steve Austin or Rock, and they have settled on lesser. Thanks. I wouldn't say that I'm a wrestling over characters guy at all. I, I, I don't. I don't think that's me. Um, I've I've always been drawn more by the characters and stories. That's what invested me in wrestling in the first place. Uh, the reason that the in ring wrestling has started to grow more in importance for me and for a lot of other fans is because bad storytelling and the scripting has made the characters and the stories less compelling. So you take what you can get. But when you talk about the key to increasing interest, absolutely, it's about having personalities that seem larger than. Life, you know, not just a really good wrestler. And the key is that to seem larger than life, and this relates to something we talked about earlier, you don't need to be 6'4 muscular and handsome. And that's why some of the people I've been the biggest backers of aren't the muscle guys, nor are they the best of the best wrestlers for that matter. But they're people like CM Punk, Kevin Owens, Adam Cole, who can wrestle well enough, but then draw you in with the personality. And that, that's why I'm, I'm so high on, on Moxley, too, relative to uh, what I think a lot of other people are. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with, with, with what you're saying, and I, that's, that's always been um, – the way that I've been, the way that I've leaned, my my advocacy of pushing people more that are that are good wrestlers is if you've got this system right now that's set up where you just don't showcase personalities very much, and it's I don't think it's really very possible to give particularly good interviews in the WWE setting. I mean, like there are people that are a little bit better and and have the capability to do more, but as far as like what they're actually allowed to do in the WWE setting, it's not very much, and so like. And in the future, if they're able to change that, then yeah, let's run with the personalities. That's going to be the key to the whole thing. But I'm, I'm sort of resigned to the fact that we're not going to get a uh, a boom period. We're not going to get a uh, 
a creation of new superstars until Vince McMahon is is gone from the position he's in. I just I don't think he's he's capable of creating those sorts, sorts of uh, those stars under the um, under his vision of uh, of wrestling in 2019. Earlier we talked about self-deprecation, and I tore up my notes for what I planned to say. You know, because you'd said it has to be spontaneous. But in my notes, when you said six four musk you don't have to be six four muscular and handsome, I had in my notes when you said that that I was going to go. Oh, that's a relief. But I, I tore that up and threw it away because I wanted it to be spontaneous. It's just an example of what people missed out on because of that. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Chewy from Pembroke Park, Florida. Raw and SmackDown are television shows presenting wrestling cards. This means that correct. <laughs> no, <laughs> this means that somewhere during the week they would look at rankings and win loss records and book matches for the next shows. But yet somehow every week starts off with people talking and impromptu matches with impromptu in quotes. So are we to believe they never actually book anything for opening segments slash first hours? They like to keep it open just in case someone unexpected has an issue. Would it kill them to have two people come out, start a match, and whomever has a beef with another just ruins the match? And then that's that. By the way, is how we do this show. I mean, Wade will listen to me, but if somebody, you know, if somebody calls in the middle of the uh, if the show, like Bruce, like he's he's fully prepared to uh, <laughs> to just cut to Bruce, and I'll you know I'll just be sitting here. That's happened a lot. So yeah, would it, and whomever has a beef with another just ruins the match and then talks their shit. Could we then see the combatants in the back who got bumped for the now impromptu match show their anger at getting bumped? I mean, you could set up angles alone for the same person somehow always getting their match bumped, and now they have a chip on their shoulder and being able to move up the card through wins or devious means. Hell, I'll even settle for an opening shot of the announcers and them telling us the scheduled opening matches and then being surprised at an interruption. Stop insulting me, WWE. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think that uh, that system is 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 silly, and uh, I would prefer they they not do it that way. And I that like feeling of like the, the, the theoretical reason behind that is the idea like if we announce things, it'll. I, I, well, I've never heard this, and I, but I, I can only assume is the idea that if like we announce everything, then it feels sort of stale and tired. Whereas like. If anything can happen, it's more exciting. You don't know what's coming next. You know, yeah. here, look, they're going to make this match, and here it comes. But that they do that; they've been doing that for so many years that it feels completely formula. Yeah. There's nothing about it feels like gives off the whole impression that you do that, and it makes no sense. So yes. you like you have the whole reason for why you would set it up that way um, is negated. And you've got the, you know, and you've got just this thing that, you know, is just as, you know, is the term that you like to use. And I think is you know, an apropos is, is low IQ. So, yeah, um, I, uh, I, I would I'm definitely with you with that um, that it would be better to uh, to do it otherwise. I, I don't know if it was uh, 
I'm reading too much into it or not, but the the first match on Raw this week was an impromptu tag match. AJ and Seth. Seth had said, never, it'll never happen. And then he did. Uh, team of Styles against Corbin and Lashley. And then in hour number two, when Lucha House Party came out, Michael Cole called it a regularly scheduled matchup. And it jumped, it jumped out to me. I was like, wow, he's, I think he's acknowledging the idea that this was scheduled, whereas the previous match was impromptu. And I, it, I'd like to see more of that. I mean, that's almost like a little teaser of, a, of, of self-awareness on a topic that I feel like Vince McMahon hasn't given a second of thought to for 20 years. So I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ed from Greensboro. Or, or Cole's just going into business for himself and got yelled at for it. Um, Ed from Greensboro. Uh, dear Todd, and Wade, I guess. Is this wild card nonsense? Our, our emailers are the best. <laughs> is this wild card nonsense among the most depressing attempts to spark interest in a failing product? And by the way, he's like totally serious when he does that, and he doesn't like us laughing about it. Um, can you think of any other solution in another time and place that so badly missed the effing point? I love stories of bad wrestling, so please share. Thanks. And as always, go VIP. I mean, there have been a billion of those. I mean, pretty much every dying wrestling company does some stupid desperation move. And there are plenty of examples of that in, in promotions that weren't dying either, but just, you know, had like a bad idea and then moved away from it. I mean, WCW is probably the most notorious with Master P and Kiss and David Arquette and, and so on during the period that they were uh, struggling to uh, to hang on. World class was the darkest as far as like the exploitation of the deaths, the fake heart attack angle, the fake Von Erichs, you know, and so on with that. You'd mentioned earlier way the AWA with the team challenge and the fake audiences. New Japan, when they were in their dark days, started feeding their champions to the elite shoot fighters and put the IWGP title on Tadao Yasuda because he won an awful pride fight. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, I mean, that, that was it. That was why the, the LA territory back in the day, um, during the dying days of the labels, they created a fake monster in what had been previously a serious territory, which was just, you know, uh, considered just preposterous at the time. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many examples of that sort of stuff in, in wrestling history. All right, uh, Tad says it's. He said, "Hey guys, it is said that Hi, there, <laughs> there are only seven different stories told in all movies, and I imagine the rule translates roughly into wrestling as well." Eric Bischoff has certainly advocated that. Question: Do either of you know if there has been if there has been wrestling angles deliberately ripped off from a Booker's favorite movie? If not, do you have any ideas of which movie you would like to see in the wrestling forum? My idea: capitalize on Avengers Endgame and Thanos. Waiter has his NXT UK title. Uh, like Thanos starts with the Power Stone and begins his journey to collect the rest of his treasures through systematic destruction of the WWE Universe. Small U. They're not destroying the fans. Next thing you know, he is on the main NXT show, beating Velveteen Dream or his next championship stone. Then showing up on the main roster and beating Ryder and Hawkins for two stones at once. Eventually, he challenges for the last stone, the WWE Heavyweight Championship in the WWE Universe, would be desperate for our babyface champion to rise up and save us all, from Walter the Destroyer. Thanks for all the content and for indulging me in this farce. I, I thought about it, and here, here are a few examples of wrestling borrowing from movies. I mean, there's surely a ton more, um, but a few that thinking it through came to mind. And, and wait, if you think of any, feel free to add at the end. Uh, WCW created the, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, they dressed up Kevin Nash as the Wizard of Oz and then had him come down a yellow brick road with a scarecrow and a tin man and a cowardly lion. Uh, they had 
also had RoboCop and Chucky get involved in angles. The, the Sting character going after Hogan was taken from The Crow. Um, later, he took the Joker character from The Dark Knight. Paul Burchill was clearly based off Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Kushida borrows heavily from Back to the Future. Uh, Chris Jericho has talked about the idea of his heel character in, in 2008 from being from uh, No Country for Old Men. So those are those are a few. Uh, Waylon Mercy. There you go. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yep. Uh, um, all right, cool. Cape Fear. Yeah, Cape Fear, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of any else, anything else right off, but yeah, they, they have done that. I bet there – I mean, I'm sure there's in, there's writers who have been inspired – like bookers or just creative writers who have been watched a movie or have favorite movies were inspired by them and tried to weave them in, but not in as overt of a way as, say, a Robocop or even Waylon Mercy. But they were inspired by it. Um, but I mean, wrestling, there's only so much you can translate from a movie before it actually starts being really corny. I mean, wrestling is, is, is a simulated sport, not a lifetime movie about. Um, you know, uh, 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 romantic betrayal and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, that's that's when some of the eye-rolling, groan-inducing stuff occurs when you go too far with it. While the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and PW Torch Daily Casts are all ad-supported free programs, you can make the ads and plugs go away. And wouldn't it be great to listen to this straight through without ads and plugs? You can become a VIP member and unlock access to 30-plus years of archives, a podcast, retro radio shows, and over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter dating back to the late 1980s, and uh, get our new podcasts every single day. Ad-free and plug-free. Not just the free ones, but the exclusive ones only for VIP members, including about a dozen others per week that I am part of. You can do that by becoming a VIP member. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. Dot com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. It averages $8.25 a month if you choose the one-year option, or you can go month-to-month for $9.99. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, up next, VIP member Kyle from Nagatuck, Connecticut says... Hi, Wade and Todd. With Roman continuing to be more or less the same character he was before he left, I had a random question that ties to NXT. If Roman were signed, uh, signed today and was assigned to NXT, would he be a big deal? I ask because I see NXT being a mix of homegrown and signed indie stars, but the focus is largely on the indie guys like Gargano, Champa, Aleister Black, and others in recent years. Guys like Kona Reeves or Riddick Moss are big guys that get next to no TV time. I know Roman is a st- is a step or three above them talent-wise, but you rarely see anyone homegrown do much of anything in NXT. Was he just in the right place at the right time with the Shield? Would being signed away? Would being signed today make a difference with NXT being what it is? 
Thanks. And P.S. Keeping with the tradition of not naming cities, I love that NXT TakeOver is labeled as NXT TakeOver XXV, not NXT TakeOver Bridgeport. <laughs> How dare they? Regardless, I plan on attending and it should be a great time. I'll do my best to send in a report. So, yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I mean, I think the answer um, is in, as as with uh, with, with so many so many, uh, so many questions are answered with, uh, with, with Baron Corbin. Cause I mean, they pushed him solidly in NXT. They gave him prominent spots. Um, he was, you know, he was a, 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 you know, a key guy during the time that he was there and he was much worse than a green reigns. So, and he was after reigns. So I think reigns given that would have been a featured act in NXT. Um, even if he came along later, even if fans took to others more and, who knows? Maybe if Reigns had gotten over in NXT, he would have then had an easier time on the main roster because he would have been conferred sort of like a credibility of, of getting over um, on his own without the big Vincent Man push. So that, that might have actually played to his, uh, his benefit. Yeah. I mean, you look at Donovan Dijakovic and the push he's getting and the way they portray him. I mean, everybody is different in terms, you know, they, they look at Roman differently than Donovan, but I. I think Roman, yeah, he is several steps above Kona Reeves, for instance. Um, and there, I mean, I'm down on Roman, but I'm not down on what Roman could be. And so, in my, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking it through as I talk about it. I just think the NXT creative team would do a much better job with him, and it won't. It, I think he'd be better off not just for having kind of built credibility in NXT, but he would have been better off in that in today's atmosphere, especially in NXT, uh, being dropped in there and and being hungry and working with people who are used to figuring out what your niche is going to be. You know, you look at what they've done with Velveteen Dream and and his progress. And if it, it wasn't, you know, kind of this guaranteed push, Vince has made you the new chosen one. Just do what you're told and hope to get rich. If, if he had to fight and scratch for it and 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 was around people who were hungry and hadn't achieved it yet, um, he might have come out better off for 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 that reason also is just somebody who w- would not only have the credibility but just they, they would have found what's inside of him that isn't being taken advantage of with this cardboard presentation yeah. all right yeah uh sean c i don't believe that overproducing and overscripting is the problem with wwe in the 1980s everything was heavily produced and even more scripted maybe the actors were better the problem isn't because things are pg because things were pg in the 80s that same audience is with them today writing emails about how they suck Vince is certainly a problem, a problem. I don't know if he, by capitalizing it, he means the a problem or just a problem. But I think we have to remember that he is the Cobra commander to Austin's G.I. Joe, the Megatron to an Optimus Prime. Maybe the problem is we don't have any real heels, any great villains. Stars are born from great moments or adversity. Does WWE need a great adversary such as an Andre the Giant or a Heenan family? I'm trying to register what what is he referencing? This is not either. It's better than Todd, your mom we can't understand you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Something's happened to your voice, Todd. Sorry. So, how do you, do you do you read this question as um as you're distracting me? Wait, how I know I was I, um, I, I was thinking it probably wasn't worth it, but then I just did it anyway. Who who do you think is the advers the the is he talking about like the, that another company needs to be there or? No, I think he's saying does WWE need to do a better job creating I mean, a, a Vince McMahon so a Steve Austin can be born? 
like the Bobby Heenan family or Andre the Giant? Do they need to do oh, a better job okay, creating so okay, that heel force that needs to be heel. taken down? It's a Kevin Sullivan philosophy. Oh, we need strong heels. We need strong heels. We need strong heels. Uh, that's first and foremost. So the baby faces just sort of are born out of the fans' desire to see the evil taken down. Gotcha. Okay. Um, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think what you what you describe is certainly theoretically possible like you know like there there are you know there there are promotions where you'd like to have stronger heels but number one i think if you have a strong enough baby face you can overcome not having like a great run of 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 heels um i think the 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 lack of heels usually comes up when the face isn't quite hot enough if the face is hot then the other people the other people get over um with them but Besides that, I don't really feel like the issue is like the, you know, having a right heel or having a right face. It's just like the whole system is isn't very good, and I I don't think that there. I, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's sort of like a heel that's uh, a heel missing that, that that's the thing that stands out. And it's not a binary choice, and it's not it's a false choice. I mean, you, it's a legit philosophy that Kevin Sullivan had, but you can take it too far. And sometimes you just work with the talent that you have. I mean, you, you, you can become a defensive NHL team or an offensive NHL team based on the talent that you have and the, and the coaching acumen, same with the, any sport NFL um, to look at your roster and make the most of it and be nimble enough to not prescribe to a, a very specific, um, uh, just a, a very specific phil- philosophical approach to to how you do it. That's that said, I, I don't. By, by the way, before you go, that said, I wholeheartedly agree with that because that's that's definitely a philosophical difference in all sorts of areas. Whether it's like making movies or running a sports team or whatever, I'm. I and there are people that feel the other way that like you have your vision and you know how you do things and you carry that out. I'm with you. Like you know, look look for the greatest advantage that you can gain based on the strengths and weaknesses weaknesses of your position be um be, be be malleable in that way yeah absolutely i mean steve austin was not vince mcmahon's vision um and and he was kind of desperate and had to then embrace it and and it and went with it and it was not something he would have predicted two years earlier um as even a formula that he would go with uh but it was clearly where where there was money uh to be made with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Up next, Corey from Miami with John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, now free agent. There are, it's sort of like Nick Aldis, formerly known as Magnus. Like, when do we have to stop saying Dean Ambrose? Um, we're a little ways away. With John Moxley, parentheses, Dean Ambrose, now free agent, there are heavy assumptions that he will wind up in AEW. How well would he fit in on AEW? Would he be a featured main event wrestler? Would he be in the top of the mid-card? Would his role conflict with Kenny Omega's spot in any way? Also, if he ended up, ended up elsewhere, how would he fit in if he were to go to, say, New Japan, Impact, MLW, ROH? Are there any possible landing spots that Mox should avoid at all costs? As always, keep up the awesome work you do. <laughs> avoid at all costs? Where would he not want to go? Hmm. Thinking where would be a bad... I mean, I, I would not recommend he go to UFC. That's probably a bad idea. Yeah. I feel like... Uh, I feel like Dragon Gate probably isn't the right spot for him. Um, CMLL, that doesn't seem like a good fit. I I don't know. No, okay, <laughs> go ahead. As far as uh, as far as where he be, he be in 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 AEW, he will be a main eventer in AEW if he goes to AEW. I, I cannot imagine them bringing him in to be no. an upper mid card guy. Um, as far as whether his role would conflict with Kenny Omega's. Hopefully not. I mean, I think I think the ideal and the way I would the way I would th- be thinking about this thing is make Omega the top face and have M- Moxley be the big heel to go against um, against him and Page and other people. The, the, where where it could become a problem in, in a role conflict is if the people just like Moxley so much for showing up and for um, and for leaving WWE that they just can't can't find a way to keep um keep people to get people to accept him as a villain and that seems to me possible i think they're going to have to be careful with the storytelling i think they're going to have to do a real a real smart job of uh of booking it if they want him to be a heel which is what i assume they're going to want um so so yeah i mean that i mean that's the key to the whole thing but no i i don't i don't think i i I think they'll probably pull it off i think you're gonna see a lot of you know a lot of real dark promos from him and they'll they'll present him in a way that that people will enjoy having him as the as the as a villain of the uh of the story uh as far as uh, how he fit in with other places i mean he's not gonna go to mlw or roh so i mean it's not worth um or, or impact that's not worth worrying about um as far as uh as far as i mean it, i feel like i'm being dismissive there mm-hmm. so um i mean he'd be a main event in impact he'd be a main event in norway she'd be a main event in mlw i mean mlw they you know if they had him they clearly i mean they'd build around him i mean he's a much bigger star than anyone they have like ditto ditto impact um as far as roh goes um yeah, I mean the same thing there. I mean he's he just perceived at a higher level than most people. As far as New Japan, that's 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 an interesting one. I mean he's not. I don't think the worker that uh, you know the top people there in New Japan are. So it would be it would be it would be a test for him. Just like with Cody, you know, it was a test of how he would do. And I I, I think that I think that Ambrose is a is a slightly better wrestler than Cody. So I think he'd be able to to pull it off. But that's you know that's something uh, that would be something to monitor there. And obviously. You know his his promos, which are his, his strong suit, wouldn't wouldn't stand out as much in Japan, just because like you know they wouldn't know what he's saying. But I mean, it would still it would still translate to you know to to a, a significant degree with translate with uh, with uh, the uh, translations and whatnot. So yeah. All right, uh, Luke from Kenosha, Wisconsin says, "Is WWE the only form 
of sports or entertainment that doesn't aim to create transcendent stars. There's a theme today. If you look at what the NBA is doing with the upcoming draft lottery, over two hours of coverage, it's all to create a new star in Zion. If this was... If this were WWE, they would be talking about how he wasn't the number one player coming out of high school and how he's undersized. I bet ESPN NBA and the NBA doesn't mention any negatives about him. Why is this? Because they understand that big stars equate big ratings. Do you think the blame goes all to Vince? Is Triple H going to do better? Also, I canceled my network subscription today. The hideous booking is not the reason. It was solely because of the Saudi Arabia deal. The fix is great. Go and stay VIP. Thanks, Luke. So I mean I, I don't I'm not as um, dismissive of that like in general like the idea in general of like okay we're going to put more of an emphasis on our brand I don't think that that is in and of itself that harmful of a philosophy the problem with WWE is that there's so much over this brand and they emphasize the brand specifically to the detriment of building up stars whereas there are there are other people that have, have tried to um, that have tried to emphasize the overall brand in a way that makes the it makes the individual players um, not as important because the brand uh, the brand needs to be particularly strong. I, I'd use as a, as, you know a very prominent example the NFL. The you know the NFL does like to have stars, but relative to the NBA, which is much more driven around trying to build up individual stars, the NFL puts much more emphasis on the teams with the idea of, and that's a, you know, that's a concerted effort. You know, the teams are going to be around the cities for long periods of time. You know, they've got the helmets. You can't see all the stars. They don't stand out as much. They, they move around more often. The, the careers are shorter. And so, you know, the emphasis on the teams, the idea that that's what will drive people through is their connection to their local team. Now, there are a whole bunch of reasons why WWE can't rely on the same things that that um, the uh, NFL does because, you know, they're not – they don't have those local city connections. And moreover, they don't have to worry about, like, the needing to constantly recreate stars in the way the NFL does because – with a worked sport, you can have people stay around for a longer period of time. But the NFL, I think, very much represents a brand philosophy that's been very successful. Likewise, during the period that UFC, there was a big UFC boom, um, they built up stars during that period. Don't get me wrong. You know, they built up Chuck and Randy and GSP and all these other people. They didn't. They didn't emphasize the the brand to the to the detriment of the stars. But they did very much. Um, make the brand feel important they they felt like if you put on a ufc pay-per-view it had to have a certain quality of a lineup in terms of you know from the top to the bottom you knew what you were going to get with that sort of thing and because they emphasized the brand and because they tried to make everything have a certain level of excellence associated with that brand they had a much higher floor than they do now you know back then if you put a ufc pay-per-view on you know with pretty much most anything, you get four hundred thousand buys, and for the few things that were below that level, you might get three, you know, three fifty or so. And so, I mean, that was that was their model: was that they had these, you know, they had this revenue coming in from keeping the brand very strong. You know, another another property I'd compare in this way is the is the Star Wars brand, where with you know with Star Wars, they've created these new movies and. I suppose they're trying to create stars in these individual movies, but a lot of it is is going back on the same sorts of themes. There, are, you know, these sorts of ideas that you associate with Star Wars that you know to be Star Wars, and they're not concerned so much about how any one individual 
individual star in it is uh, is that important. Same thing when, when Walking Dead was really popular. They were killing people off left and right, and they weren't worried about that much that much because the whole you know the property was the was the key to the whole thing. So I don't think that there's something inherently wrong with putting a high emphasis on the brand. The the key is well. I mean, I think in general you're probably better off with, you know, creating stars. But but if you, if you have to sort of prioritize one or the other, but even if you do, you're not prioritizing one over the other, you need to have stars in order to prop up the brand. And if you use the brand in a way that undermines the stars, then you know you get into a dicey position. So I think Dudabee is an example of how not to emphasize a brand, but I don't think it's a generalized argument against the importance of brands because I, I, I am a believer in the, the importance of brands. All right. So uh, along the same lines, Sean uh, sent a follow-up email from a couple emails ago and, and said he wants to add this to his question from earlier, which is another way to make a star is to give athletes large contracts like in the NFL and NBA. Let's say WWE gave Kevin Owens $10 million a year guaranteed. Would that turn heads and get viewership up to see this high-paid athlete perform? And then he says, VIP is not only a game-changer, but a life-changer. Go VIP. I'm going to say no. <laughs> <I think laughs> Kevin Owens is very upset with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin. I'm sorry, Kevin. Um, uh, or excuse me, Sean. Um, <laughs> uh, with uh, with this idea, yeah. I mean, I th- the, the key is how they're presented on television. I mean, I I don't think that I think that it, oftentimes knowing how much somebody makes can undermine them with with the uh, with the fan base um, because it, it creates resentment. And I think with with athletes that that people know are higher paid, it's more likely to have people be resentful of them than to think like, oh, that's some somebody particularly important i think so i, I don't i don't uh, I, I don't think that's the that's the way to go now look i mean you don't have to do it from like a financial standpoint you know like you can do it in the way that you you present them like this is like an alternate reality i'm ta- talking about right now but like let's say when they signed matt Vittle, if they made a big effort to talk about what a big thing this is so like they put out a press release and they People say, said he'd never make money <laughs> Rather than like you know announcing this part of like a class with a bunch of people, they put out a press release that says Dudley signs highly coveted you know pro wrestling free agent former UFC superstar Matt Riddle um, you know and, and you and, and a small C a small S <laughs> small C um, what was he Matt Riddle superstar no no C's anywhere there um, uh, you know and you talked about like how he's this coveted guy how he has all this personality how you've signed him to this lucrative you know multi multi year deal even if you know it's not that 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 lucrative and you you know you try to drum up the story of what a big deal is i mean you have the same basic effect of framing them in an important way and you know putting out that press release you know costs you know substantially less than than 10 million dollars so um yeah mvp the the wrestler not the mma it kind of he kind of tried to do that but it was more in a cartoonish character way um, you know, it was being gimmick. It was to try to get you to dislike him because he made a lot of money. Yeah, but I feel like there's an example that I'm not remembering, and it may, I think it's non WWE where somebody talked about signing a big money contract, and that was a big talking point for the promotion and for the wrestler. And they're trying to you know sell the idea that he had signed a bigger contract than anyone would believe was realistic based on the budget of the company. But I can't remember what it was. And but it but it made me think you can't do it in a way where people just go that's that's bullshit. You know that we know that's not that's not how you know that's not a realistic amount of money, and they won't give that to you. And it's a in a sport 
presentation that never talks about that. So it would be more suspect. People would be more suspecting that it's fake. Well, I mean, I think his solution though is to, to genuinely give them the. Money. I know it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which again, Kevin Owens is very much in favor of. <laughs> you know what'll make me a big star, guys? If you pay me a lot of money. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so now I, I tried that one with Wade, but it didn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Andy from Houston. Moving on. Andy from Houston, Texas. <laughs> Hello, Todd and Wade. Normally, I would not break your most sacred rule over late emails. However, with 10 minutes left in Wade's SmackDown post show, I've yet to hear any mention of how Aleister Black is now being characterized as a cryptic asshole. With his confusing <laughs> vignettes, purposefully. I, I talked I talked about it last week. I mean, I think, I think pretentious phony was my way of describing it. But yeah, it's a similar deal. With his confusing vignettes purposefully obscuring his character from being a heel or a face, how damaging do you think these promos will be on his potential star power on SmackDown? As always, wait on VIP for life. I mean, there's still plenty of time to define him based on the you know based on the matches and the feuds that he's in. So I, I don't view this as any sort of killer. But yeah, I'm not a fan of the I'm not a fan of the vignettes. Uh, I don't I don't think he comes across uh, comes across well in them. The idea, the idea, I don't think is bad. Like the idea of like somebody who's like a deep thinker who you know sort of is thinking on a different level and is very cerebral, and he's you know there's there's a real deepness to what's going on, but there's also sort of a violence there. So it's a bit of a you know a bit of a you know mystery as to what this person is. I, I think there's there's something there, but the way the way he comes across to me does not. I, 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 that is not the the vibe I get from him. I get the vibe I get is you know this. It just sort of feels like a you know like a put on of a guy that's sort of trying to pretend to be something um so yeah i i I think theoretically it could work but i I don't think it's working specifically for him but i think it still could uh still could be fine once he gets into the uh once he gets into the uh, action i just want to let andy know yes you broke the sacred rule but that was the shortest email you ever sent and i'm really happy about it (laughs) (laughs) you got right to it Yes, brevity brevity is a, a good thing with our email. And, and by the way, our, our emails have gotten have gotten good about that too. So thank you for uh, thank you for that. And uh, so being a pretentious and, jerk worked for me. Oh um, yeah, and thank you, Wade, for being a pretentious <laughs> jerk to the people. Economy of words, come on, you know, yeah, it's just all it, it, it whip people into shape. At least at least here. So uh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Todd. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Thanks for downloading today's program. Don't forget to check back this weekend on this, the Blue Feed, the Wade Kettler Processing Podcast feed for an interview from uh, our archives. And we just did three parts in a row the last three weeks of Jim Ross. So we'll start in on something new this coming week. Catch up on that Jim Ross interview, though. The last three weeks, four hours total, uh, including a previously not heard for free VIP extra edition with some uh, just fascinating conversation from Jim with insights into his time in, in uh, WWE in uh, very powerful positions uh, during sometimes and other times uh, sort of humiliating positions, uh, at least according to outsiders and how he handled uh, whether he ever said no to things. So um, that is uh, available on the feed right now if you act fast. But uh, also coming up this weekend over on the red feed, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-show feed, uh, on Saturday, we'll provide the five years ago Raw Post Show. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joining me for that. And you can listen to what we were having to say about the Raw product five years ago this week. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at The Wade Keller. You can follow our brand on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at PWTorch. And of course, follow us every single day. Follow professional wrestling every single day at PWTorch.com. TV reports with analysis, flashbacks, editorials, breaking news. 
live pay-per-view coverage, so much more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, content you won't find anywhere else. Make it a daily stop in your routine on your phone or laptop. Uh, That'll do it for me for today. Thanks to Todd Martin. Thanks to all of you, the listeners. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. I don't remind you of that very often. And, of course, if you're about to shop Amazon, always think of us, if you don't mind. Just start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Super easy. pwtorch.com slash Amazon. On that page, all you're going to find is a big Amazon logo. Just click on it. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage. Shop as you planned. But by starting at pwtorch.com slash Amazon, they track where you came from. We get a commission on what you buy. So it's just kind of a win-win. You pay the same price and the same great selection of options at Amazon as you were planning. But because we mentioned them here on the show... You have to start at that page, pwtorch.com slash Amazon, but then we get a commission in exchange for it. So it's a, it's a nice way to uh, uh, give a little bit back to what we do here on the show while you're going to shop as you planned anyway. All right. Thank you, everybody, again. And until next time, Wade Keller signing off. Hasta la vista. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all, ad-free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. If you shop at Amazon, I have a request. When you shop at Amazon, don't go to amazon.com. That sounds weird. How are you going to shop at Amazon if you don't go there? Well, don't go directly there. Start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's p wtorch.com slash Amazon. When you go there, there's a giant Amazon logo. Click on it. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage where you were heading anyways, but that small detour tells Amazon we sent you there. And when they get that message, they send us a commission on everything that you buy. So it's a great way to support us without having to do anything different other than when you shop at Amazon, start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.